Welcome to another edition of So Important, where we talk to really interesting people about something that is interesting and important to them. Today, our guest is Cantor Lindsay Cantor of Temple Emmanuel, and she is going to talk about her journey to Temple Emmanuel and all the things that influenced her along the way of this journey. So welcome, Cantor. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, Monty. Well, I am really glad you're here with me today, and we're going to jump right in. And I'm wondering if you can tell people a little bit about how you decided to pursue being a cantor and how that led you to where you are now. So I've always been a singer, first and foremost. I've always been really interested in music and just drawn to music and drawn to singing. And so that really was my first love. And so I uh, studied opera as an undergraduate at Indiana University and got my degree in opera and then wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And so I took a little time off and then um, pursued a master's degree in vocal pedagogy, which is teaching voice. So I was working as a voice teacher in Chicago, teaching voice lessons to junior high girls. And I enjoyed it a lot, but I just kind of thought that I wanted more. And then it just so happened that a family friend told me that there was an opening for a cantorial soloist at a synagogue in Chicago. So it was Chicago Sinai Congregation, which is a classical reform congregation. And so they had a very rich, very very rich musical tradition there of a huge breadth of Jewish music. So it was everything from really classical Hebrew pieces from the 18th century all the way to modern jazz, vocal jazz interpretations of Jewish prayers. So I auditioned and I got the job and I worked there. It was a professional quartet. And so I worked there for about four years. And that's where I really just fell in love with Jewish music. And so I'd always been a singer and I've always been Jewish, but I had never really put two and two together until I started working at the synagogue. And just for me, the music was the entry point to this love of Judaism and this love of Jewish music. And so I worked at that synagogue for several years, several years, and I loved it. And then I began working as a cantorial soloist at another congregation in Highland Park, Illinois. And I worked there for several years. And that's when I began to really consider making the leap to attending cantorial school. And so I decided I'm in or I'm out. So I decided I'm going to do this. And I auditioned for Hebrew Union College, which is the reform, the premier reform seminary in New York City. And I got in and attended five years of cantorial school. The first year is in Jerusalem for the full year is in Israel, which was an incredible, incredible experience. And then I spent four years in New York.
So at the end of my education at Hebrew Union College, I began the process of looking for a job. And while I was in placement, I came across Temple Emmanuel and I really just fell in love with the congregation. I thought that their ideals really aligned with mine. I was very impressed that there is such a dedication to service from the congregation. There's really wide support from the lay leadership at the temple. It was just incredible to see how many different committees and events that the lay leadership would help lead and help spearhead. So I was very impressed with their dedication to community service. All that is true, but it's also the involvement of the clergy Hmm. that makes it all work. You're a big presence here already. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. What's your general approach? How do you look at a service and say, here's what I want to do? When I program a service, it is important to me to focus on the mood that I want to create because to me, that's what worship and prayer can be. I think that, especially in the reform movement, people who come to services on Shabbat are looking to feel a certain way. And I think that while they can get there through words and prayer, I think that most often it's the music that really takes them there. And so it's really important for me to be able to create a mood and take them on a journey. And so when I craft a service, I will definitely use lots of different musical styles if I can. Especially in the reform movement today, there is a lot of folk and pop tinged music that is very popular. And I I definitely enjoy it. And I like learning new kind of folk and pop styled compositions. But to me, that that can't be all of the service. I, I would want to feel a connection to the past. And so it is important to me to bring in melodies that are a little bit older, things that take you back to your childhood or transport you to Israel or just take you take you somewhere else. And so it is important to me when I am programming a service that you can hear the pop and you can hear the folk, but then you can also hear chazonisha runs that you might have heard coming out of somebody's window from a record player during the golden age of in the 1940s. That was one of the first things that I noticed was that you were bringing in some of the traditional stuff. I went to an Orthodox temple. I totally get in a reform synagogue that you're going to hear much more. You're not going to just hear the old tunes, but I have that place in my heart for the old tunes. And when I heard you start to draw on them, it made me very happy. (laughs) I'm glad. Well, it makes me happy to sing them because like I was saying, it's just there is such a breadth of Jewish music that I think it behooves us to showcase it all because otherwise it will just be relegated to a dusty prayer book somewhere or an old record on a shelf. Music is alive and I think it's important to keep that music alive. How were you exposed to some of this older music? 
music? Was it in your house, in your family? Not really. Um, my grandfather was very traditional, my mother's father. And so he always led our Passover Seder and would sing. And he, he definitely had this kind of old school kind of voice and old school kind of mentality. But that's that's really the only place where it came from in my family. I think for me, my being drawn to the more traditional style of singing just comes from my upbringing with um, studying opera for so many years. And so I, I have a love for that drama and the vocal acrobatics. And not not I'm not drawn to it just because it's technical, but there is something that is so fun in looking at a piece of music that it has all these runs and turns and takes you on a journey that is a bit of a roller coaster ride. I don't think you find that so much in the the kind of folk pop laid back approach of a, most of our reform music today. So I guess for me, it's really the theatricality of it that's really always drawn me into that more traditional sound and and also my professors. So um, at Hebrew Union College, I studied uh, very closely with Jack Mendelssohn, who this is the style that he teaches. He is he was a boy who grew up in the golden age of the cantorate and so and he's been a cantor for I think the past 50 years or so and so he teaches this old chazonisha chazanut style and so I studied very closely with him and we just had a great rapport and he was so much fun to work with you know he would show off these crazy vocal tricks and runs and it's like how do you even do that and he would just rattle them off because that's what he's been singing since he was a little boy and so it was so much fun to be kind of taken under his wing and learn how to do it and also just the fact that as women that music was not composed for us they were not written with women's voices in mind and so it was always a challenge an exciting challenge to take an old piece of chazanut written for a tenor that would be singing so high and dramatic in these crazy keys that are not written for women. So it would be a challenge to look at this piece and just say, okay, I'm going to take it down. I'm going to sing it in this key. I'm going to make this little change so that it works in a woman's voice. And so that was that was a really fun, interesting challenge as well. Clearly, your point of departure is the combination of the old school Hansenot music in the opera. Mm. And that just makes your voice so, so re- resonate so beautifully. And you, it's such a unique, wonderful experience to just listen to you at a service. Thank you. It's a wonderful community that is always willing and interested in picking up what I'm laying down. And that is really interesting and fun for me because I feel like I have their support in things that I bring here. And so even just a week or two ago, I brought a very sophisticated Vishamru that was with piano and it was a very art song, Copeland, Sondheim kind of style. It's one of my favorites for years and it's very contemplative and unusual. And I felt like the temple was just 
totally on board because whenever I sing it, it takes me on a journey. And so I knew that bringing this piece to the congregation, I really hoped it would take them on a journey as well. And I think that it did. If there's one thing that you would really like the listeners to take away from this conversation, what would that be? I think I would just want people to know that clergy are just people and that while we will be the leaders of a synagogue and the leaders of a community, we're all just people who are looking to make connections to other people, be it through conversation or an event or even through music and prayer. I think we're all just looking to make connections. And you do a great job of it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you for joining me for this little conversation. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Shame what you feel.